I'm speaking today with David Miller of Invesco Perpetual, who's one of the managers on the Global Total Return Strategy. David, hello to you. Hi, Chris. Now, the, the process behind the, the running of the GTR fund is probably unfamiliar to a lot of our investors. Perhaps you could start by describing the background to it. Yes, Chris. Um, I think the simplest thing is to explain it as the, the concept investing in ideas. And this is a concept that we, we brought it to market with in order to help explain what we do. Because what we try and do is we look for a collection or selection of good long-term in macroeconomic investment ideas, thematic ideas, and then bring them together in a risk-managed portfolio. And what's really important in that is that we're looking for ideas without necessarily any regard to which asset class they belong to. And so we're doing this in an unconstrained research way. But then when we bring those ideas together in the portfolio, that's when we introduce some very robust risk management techniques. Now, you're doing this with a couple of colleagues, um, principally uh, at Invesco Perpetual. Perhaps you could describe what their roles are and how that compares to yours. Well, they're identical when it comes to running the fund. We, Dave Job, Richard Batty and myself are the three joint fund managers for the Global Targeted Returns Strategy. Um, that means we are completely equally responsible for what goes on and that goes into that portfolio. And together with our, with our risk manager, Willem Satchel, it is the responsibility of the three of us to decide what combination of those good investment ideas work well together when you put them together in the portfolio. But it is equal responsibility. This is a portfolio that, yes, we are trying to get things right, but we're also trying not to get things wrong. And in order to do that, you want to be encouraging the debate, the different interaction, people to have their different ways of looking at markets and looking at the ideas and bringing those to the table so we can have those quite honest and frank discussions as to how best to combine the investment ideas into the portfolio. And, and you talked about getting things right and getting things wrong. Clearly, that's what you uh, want to um, you want to get the first right and, the, and, the, and, and not achieve the second. How, how do you go about pursuing macroeconomic themes um, to introduce those ideas into the portfolio? Well, I, mean, I mentioned up front that it's all about being unconstrained. It's about not having any preconceived notion as to where those ideas might come from and to allow that sort of freedom to roam across asset classes, across geographies, across sectors, across currencies to look for these good long-term ideas. You know, for example, you might have a view, let's just say, on the Canadian economy and the potential weakness in, the, in that economy. That is a theme. You can then say, well, do I sell the equities? Do I buy the bonds or do I sell the, the currency? So it's the idea has to come first. You're then the choice of which asset class or asset type you use to implement it comes second. And it's that freedom or the release from those asset class constraints that we believe allows us to build a greater amount of diversification into a portfolio than the traditional asset, more asset class dominant, dominated views of investing do. Now, a lot of people say that it's incredibly difficult to, to predict market movements and, and, and the, the movement of asset classes. Um, how do you ensure that you um, minimise potential mistakes in the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, the one thing to get absolutely clear is that we're not going to get the view of the world you know, right all the time. And so this is why it's important to have a lot of different I I ideas working in the portfolio at, at the same time. So we have that two to three year outlook and every idea in the portfolio has to deliver at least a positive return on that outlook, even though you know, as we get there, some ideas may be returning and some won't. But as long as we always restate that long-term view and have that belief 
in every single one of the ideas, then we believe that the whole package of ideas pools over the long term in the right direction. And what about the risk management process? Because clearly you don't want a single idea in the portfolio um, contributing to too much of the risk. True, it is. I mean, every, every idea as it's brought through the research process comes with a, the sizing that gives it an equivalent potential return. So your, your, your starting point is to have sort of an, an equivalence before, between the ideas. But this is why, you know, yes, there's three fund managers working together on it, but then the fourth person, the risk manager, is critical to this as well. Because every time we bring a new idea into the, into the portfolio to test in the portfolio, then we want to go through those, the, the risk measurement to see how it will, how the risk models suggest it will interplay with the other ideas, and the other bit that is critical, not only seeing what the risk model says, but doing lots of different scenario testing as well. This is a bit about you know what if our view is wrong, how will the portfolio react in some other in some other scenarios, and is there a different way that we could implement an idea? that will help us and make that more robust in one of those other scenarios. Everything has to deliver in the central scenario, so if, you know, if, if we are right about markets, we will get the return, but it's all also about making sure you've got the, the stabilizers in place in case and when you're wrong. Perhaps we could talk through an idea that's been successful in the portfolio since, since you launched the fund. I think one of our one of our biggest successes since, since we launched the fund was staying involved in bond markets for as long as you know for as long as we have. I think a, a central pillar to our um, to our sort of outlook has been a continued you know, low rate, low interest rate, and low inflation environment. So being involved in bond markets because you because know, we have relied you know, traditionally on bonds as being a diversifier to our equity portfolios. Um, I think the issue now is though. Um, is you know, with bonds looking expensive and you know and equities looking fully valued, it's where do you, where do you go to? And I think that's how having more sort of tools at our disposal in order to go away from those traditional um, asset types is critical to the success of this this, this product. So let's talk about that in a, pra in, in a practical sense. What type of instruments do you use to get this exposure? We do look to use a, you know, a, a broad range of instruments. As, as I suggested, it's a, yeah, the investment idea that, is, that comes first. So let's say just an idea is the strength of the corporate sector. There's something of an economic recovery going on. The corporate sector is participating in that. And so that's the theme. That's the idea. You're then chase, faced with the choice of which asset class to use. Yeah. No. You could use corporate bonds to express that, or you could use equities. You know, in this particular idea for now, we have said, right, we like that idea, we'll use equities to express that. But then you've still got a, another choice after that, because we can then say, well, shall we allocate that to one of our managers who can give us their bottom-up stock-picking expertise, or shall we go down the index route, in which case using the equity market futures in order to express the idea is perfectly valid as well. And so that, that's why you want to be able to have those different you know, tools in the toolkit so that you remove any of the unintended sort of biases or and are you able to pinpoint the exposures where you want them. And finally, can I ask you about um, what is probably an uncertain economic outlook and, and what that means in terms of the opportunities for, for, this, uh, for this part of the portfolio? I mean, you're right. I mean, I think as we come into in, came into 2015, you know, the um, the challenges are clearly clearly there. You just have to look at you know, the moves in the oil price, of Swiss National Bank and removing the peg to the euro, the huge sort of acceleration in Chinese equities and the volatility is there. But I think um, you know those challenges, you know, as, you, as you suggest, bring opportunities. And having that sort of unconstrained approach to investing allows us to go down some of those routes. We're not going to be able to rely on, on equities and bond markets as much because they're fully valued, 
then we will have to look down other channels for the for the for the ideas in the portfolio, and that's something that we're always on always on the lookout for. So, yeah, you're, you're perfectly right. So it's full of opportunities. That's been really interesting, David Miller. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.